You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., episode number 403. This is crucial. If you're not in this to serve and love individuals and help them through their problems, this is not the field for you to be in because this is really a service base. It's not a real estate game. Real estate is just the byproduct of genuinely serving and loving and helping individuals with their problems. And the byproduct is you will get a contract that allows you to purchase their home. But if you go there with the mindset of I'm here for real estate, I'm here for real estate, I'm here for real estate, it's just a mediocre wholesaler and your time in this arena won't last long. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. Investor Grit presents Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling with your hosts, Tom Kroll and Cody Hoffheim. You're listening to another episode here at Wholesaling Inc. My name is Cody Hoffheim and I'm here to host today's episode. And I'm super excited to be with you guys. For those of you that are new to the podcast, we want to welcome you. And what we're going to be talking about is wholesaling. And wholesaling is just simply the art of finding deeply discounted properties that you can then turn for a huge profit. And we're going to be interviewing someone today that just is a beast. He's been doing this for about two and a half years, has done right around 40 deals. And he's going to share about a recent deal and what he learned from this. And this whole entire interview, guys, for those listening, Rhino Nation, this is the time to get out a piece of paper and get out a pen and jot down the gold nuggets that you're going to hear today. This podcast is something that should inspire you, motivate you to take action. If you're really looking into get involved in wholesaling, this is something that will give you some action items. But the podcast is only as good as you getting out there and taking the action. If you don't take action, this podcast will do absolutely nothing for you. So commit today. Commit to taking the notes on the gold nuggets and then commit yourself to taking the action on those gold nuggets that you write down today. So today we have Greg Burning. He's from Greensboro, North Carolina. He's been doing this for, like I said, a little over two and a half years. He's into it full time, although it didn't start that way. And he's going to share a little bit about that. And he's done 40 deals, right around 40 deals. And he's going to share with you step by step of a deal that he just recently did and what he learned from it. So Get ready to go. We're going to bring him on right now. So, Mr. Greg Bernie, my friend, how in the heck are you? Cody, I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing good. In fact, it probably doesn't sound like I'm doing good, Greg. My voice is like almost gone. So, last night, me and my boy, he's a big jazz fan, NBA fan. So, we're at the game and I'm just like in this game, like screaming, screaming, screaming. And I come home and now I'm like, oh crap, I got a podcast tomorrow. And here's my voice. <laughs> and, they, and they lost, right? So you didn't. Oh, lose. don't say that. Don't say that, Greg. Come on. <laughs> All right. So yes, they did lose. So not only did I lose my voice, but they lost the game. And uh, here I am, progress, not perfection. I'm going to sound a little squeaky every now and again, but bear with me, Rhino Nation, because We've got Greg that's going to be doing most of the talking anyways as he shares step-by-step how he just did a recent deal. So Greg, give us a little background about yourself and what really got you involved in wholesaling. Yeah, so I'm uh, in Greensboro, North Carolina. Like you said, I'm a married father of three. Actually, this is really a second career for me. I'm a clinical social worker by background and 
my previous career was in a, like a director role within the customer service world of hospitals. And so I was, you know, kind of climbing the corporate ladder for a few years and starting to get into my mid thirties. And I was feeling just less and less fulfilled with the path I was on. And real estate had always been kind of an itch that I wanted to scratch. And so just kind of part-time on the side, I had a, a friend in real estate who uh, flipped houses. And so I flipped a house with him and kind of started learning wholesaling, just, you know, kind of getting little nuggets where I could and sending out direct mail at night, that sort of thing. So it started just kind of part-time like that. And then I, yeah, about two and, and a half And by part-time, years, you're talking like, just like I'm evenings, weekends, super like super part-time. Okay. Okay. Exactly. You know, I had an opportunity, Cody, to learn a huge lesson about asking, you know, God or the universe, whatever you want to call it for, for what you want. I, sure. during one of these nights, I, I said to my wife, you know, that like three kids, they're, they're down in bed, we've had dinner and I'm now like handwriting direct mail letters. And I, I said, you know, if I, if I had a guarantee that we'd have like six months of expenses covered, I would try this full time. Right. So I kind of, <laughs> I put that out there the very next week. <laughs> I got what I asked for. I, as a good friend of mine says, uh, my, my corporate sponsors pulled out. Um, oh, so wow. Lost my job. But did was, you have six months of expenses already saved up? Or is this like so I asked for it and didn't have it? <laughs> so I asked for it. And, and as I was in the, uh, an administrator role, I kind of it, it came with a, you know, this role doesn't exist anymore. Here's a bunch of other jobs we think you'd be good at in the health system. Or here's six months of severance. Oh, wow. Wow. So not only... You got exactly what you asked for. So you even had the six months worth of That's pay right. as if you were still there. Yeah, I say I, I should have said, I, if only I had a year. <laughs> You're going back, I would have asked for a two-year plan. This would have been amazing. <laughs> it was like terrifying, but also, you know, I, I describe it now as like, I realized I was kind of on an edge, ready to, ready to leap. And it was the push that I needed. Greg, here's something I really want you to maybe, if you can go back to that moment, because I think there's a lot of listeners listening to this, and I didn't plan on this podcast going this way, but now I think it's something that would add extreme value is there's so many individuals out there that are in that same spot. Maybe they're thinking, and I don't know if this was the case for you, but maybe it was for me. And if it is the same, you can kind of share this. But I look at where I was, and I, yes, was it something that could turn into a career that pays okay? Yes. I wasn't satisfied. Like there was just something missing. Like I felt like I was good at it, but my heart wasn't in it. And I feel like there's a lot of individuals that are probably in a corporate America job where they're looking at this and they're thinking, hey, I want to get into this part-time, which you can. And that's how I started. But ultimately, there's that real fear of what does it look like though to leave corporate America? If Can you dig yourself back to that moment and kind of share with us what was that like, that real fear when corporate America was coming to an end and now it was, you eat what you kill. Like it's now you, Greg. Yeah. You know, it's a strange balance of two things. One is obviously the, this is all I've known. You know, I, I knew how much I was going to get paid. I knew a paycheck was coming every two weeks and I knew exactly what it would say. And there was security in that. And then I think, you know, really the, the other side of that and it's a mindset shift is, I was getting a paycheck every two weeks and I knew what it was going to say on it. And I, I knew I had greater potential than that. And so I, I think if you're quiet enough to be able to listen to what's going on inside in your heart, like you said, I, I was on a path where I was making good money and it, it wasn't enough, not money wise, but it wasn't enough. Fulfillment wise. I wanted to be able to knock off early to take my son to a basketball game. I wanted, there were too many things I wanted to do that 
the corporate world got in the way of. Did you feel like this was your path meant for you, that it was just cut off? Do you think you actually would have left in six months had it been still been uh, your job? If Do you uh, get what I'm asking? I absolutely would have left. I don't know if it would have been six months. I think, honestly, <laughs> I, I spent probably the previous year trying to get the guts up to make that decision. Uh-huh. But yeah, I think absolutely. I was ready for a change and I was ready to do something where I had more control kind of over, you know, over my destiny. And so I think it was absolutely going to go in that direction one way or the other. Okay. Well, now that we understand a little bit of background about you of how it all began, it started with a fix and flip, then really putting it out there to God, to the universe, whatever your belief system is. And here we are getting exactly what you ask for. You're into it now full time. Here you've now done right around 40 deals. Let's get right to the meat and potatoes of a recent deal. And let's let's get these uh, listeners, Rhino Nation, something to jot down where they can get out there, be inspired, be excited to go out there and take some massive imperfect action. You ready for this, Greg? Absolutely, man. Okay, so let's break it down. The recent deal you did, let's start with just even the marketing channel. What are a couple of the marketing channels you do And then once you talk about just like, hey, I do this marketing channel, this marketing channel, then let's break it down. What marketing channel did you actually use to get this deal? Yeah, so for, I would say for the most part, 90% of my marketing has been direct mail. Okay. And and direct mail to several different lists. This one happened to be a driving for dollars lead, although I would... I would say, you know, shout out to Zach Booth. When I found this deal, I was not driving for dollars effectively. And and I probably (laughs) got lucky finding this one. I've since joined Zach's course just here a month ago. And it's, Uh uh, I was like, oh, this is how you're supposed to be systematized. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's a method to this madness. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, this was um, a direct mail piece to a a driving for dollars lead a house that happened to drive by. There was a tarp on the roof. Uh Uh-huh. that didn't look like it belonged there and sent a piece of direct mail and got a call. So to each and every one of you listening today, think about when you come to driving for dollars, it means physically, let's let's break this down, Greg. What does it mean to drive for dollars? Like, what does that look like to you? And then what is it you're looking for? I, I know you say like, hey, the tarp, but let's break down maybe two or three or four key things you look for when driving for dollars. So what is driving for dollars and what do you look for? Yeah. So driving for dollars, you're just literally getting in your car, driving around, obviously in as systematized a way as possible. But you're looking for houses that look like there's some sort of deferred maintenance. So I just shared an example, tarp on the roof. When it's the middle of summer around here in North Carolina in a neighborhood where everybody's got their grass mowed, the house that doesn't look like the grass has been mowed. Conversely, in the winter, one of the, I always like, we don't get a lot of snow in North Carolina, but whenever we do, I like going out the day after we get a snowstorm because most of the steps I see footprints everywhere. Well, the vacant houses don't have any footprints there. And I know that's or a house. driveway, house. like car marks going exactly. down or anything. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Yes. So overgrown weeds, broken down cars in front of the house. Just, you know, any sort of sign that either this house is vacant or it's maybe not being taken care of as well as uh, the owner might like to be taken care of it. We've gone to one to go as far as this. This is actually a really funny story. We had a home that we were driving by and there was a tree, a big tree to the side of the house. And you could tell it was like laying on the roof, like big old branches laying on the roof. And it was ruining the shingles when the wind would blow. 
but to the point where one of the branches was growing into the window. And instead of cutting the branch, they just opened the window and let the branch grow into the house. And I was like, this is perfect. This is totally a distress situation. Let's definitely contact this one. So, Talk about the path of least resistance. I'm just going <laughs> to open the window. That's crazy. That's great. So here is, uh, we're, we, you're driving for dollars. You find one with a tarp on the roof. You send them direct mail piece. They call you. Let's talk about what it is you're looking for when you're on the phone. We, we talk about this motivation that you're looking for motivated sellers. What allowed you to know maybe quickly or through time that this was a seller that was motivated? So one of the things is just, you know, being a tribe member, access to the the scripts that you guys teach. And I just, you know, follow that directly. And that really helps pull out the motivation. So this is one of those ones that I'm sure you've had these calls where it's like, it's just a, like the motivation is so obvious. Yeah. Not necessarily the reasoning behind it, but that feeling of like, this house is just such a burden to me. Yeah. There was some digging to do with this one, but really this this is one of those unicorns where it was like super evident from the moment I picked up the phone. You know, this this guy calls and he says, he's like kind of ex-military guy, lives in another town, maybe 20 minutes away. He says, I, I bought this house eight years ago. My intent was to make sure my daughter always had a place to stay. She's, you know, had some issues in the past and has been sort of transient, but I, I bought this with the idea that she's going to stay here. Well, she's torn the place to pieces. She has a dog there that's torn everything up and, you know, the relationship's gone south. I've kicked her out. She's not coming back. I need this house gone. Yeah. So this is clearly something that you're like, okay, Let's get out to this appointment. Right. Yeah. Like, can I get out there in the next five minutes sort of thing? Now, with uh, it being vacant, did you find that to be a problem where trying to get lined up a time where you and him could go out to a home that he's not living at? Well, you know, I think it wasn't too challenging. We had to work a little bit around his work schedule, but I think I went, you know, it was like a kind of an after hours thing on the week weeknight one thing. But okay. uh, yeah, certainly. I mean, when there's an opportunity to help somebody, you make the time to do it. And That's right. Really wanted to do it on his schedule because he, you know, more so than the motivation. And I, I'm not thinking about is there a deal here or not. I'm thinking about you know <laughs> this guy's pain is very evident on the phone, and it's like whether I buy this house or not, or or help this guy sell the house. How can I just help him? So I want to capitalize on two key things that you just said here. For those listening, write these down. These are huge. This is the difference between someone that's just mediocre or good to a great individual, a great wholesaler. And that's two key things that he just shared. And that is you make it work on their timing. They're in a situation where you can't throw up like, well, that day doesn't work. So if you want to do it, we're going to have to do it Wednesday at six. You go off them He worked and he already is in a distressful situation. So that's the first thing is these appointments, they could happen. It's not unheard of. We've had an appointment within the last, I'd say, year where my business partner went out and the appointment started at 10.30 p.m. and he didn't leave until 2.30 a.m. with the contract. You just don't know, but that was the time that worked for this seller. So that's key. Make your schedule match theirs. The second one was, He wanted to serve. Listen to this. Greg wanted to serve this individual regardless if he was the answer or not. This guy had a unique problem that either Greg was going to have a solution for, and if Greg wasn't the solution, he was still going to help him find the solution. This is crucial. If you're not in this to serve and love individuals and help them through their problems, this is not 
the field for you to be in because this is really a service-based. It's not a real estate game. Real estate is just the byproduct of genuinely serving and loving and helping individuals with their problems. And the byproduct is you will get a contract that allows you to purchase their home. But if you go there with the mindset of, I'm here for real estate, I'm here for real estate, I'm here for real estate, it's just a mediocre wholesaler and your time in this arena won't last long. So Greg, I wanted to capitalize on that because that that's huge. Yeah, Most people don't catch that. Keep going. When you met with them, what was it like to really get this in a point where you could put it under contract? So when he calls, he says, this house, you know, I think it's worth about 60, but uh, you know, I'd probably take somewhere about around 30. And I said, okay. And then we set the appointment. <laughs> I get to the house. I'm, I'm walking up the driveway. He's sitting on the front porch. He, he walks kind of meets me halfway down the driveway and, you know, introduce myself. And he says, Hey, I know I said I'd, I'd take 30 on the phone, but I'd probably take 25. <laughs> so again, just motivation was, was yeah. really high. And, and I said, great, let's talk about price in the house later. Let's go inside, sit down, kind of tell me a little bit more about what's going on and, and let's figure out the best way to help you. And so we, you know, we go inside the house again, there's still like the daughter, still a bunch of stuff there. And some of his stuff was still there as well. And yep. we chat for a while and he, you know, just, tells me about his time in the military, kind of talking about everything but the house for a little bit. And we get to a point of him wanting to talk more about price. And he told me two things while we were chatting. One is that he owed $17,000 on it. Two is that he really did not have a dime to either come out of pocket really for anything, but especially for moving some of his stuff out of there. And so, yeah, you know, I, I just said, you know, if I was able to offer 17300 and the stress of kind of figuring out the moving was clearly pretty evident as well. So I just said, hey, you know, I know a guy that owns a moving company. What if I offer 17300 Plus, I'll call my buddy. I'll, I'll get that all set up so you don't have to think about it and I'll pay for that. And so we went under contract there. So the, the seventeen three plus plus paying for the moving company, which was easy And those to were unique problems. And I think they the key unique. thing is you didn't go right to price. He wanted to be like in and out. Like, hey, I, I said it'd be 25000 But you're like, let's talk price later. Like, how do I help you? Because had you just talked price, you may have never solved this problem you were, or help him gain clarity on what it is he really needs. But because you knew there were some pain points that he brought up through you just asking questions you were able to serve him in a unique way that most investors do not take the time to do. So this is this is crucial. So you put under contract for doing the 17.3 plus some moving. Right. And then, yeah, so I, yeah, go keep going. Yeah, no, I go under contract. At this point, it had built a cash buyers list about <laughs> maybe there were 100 people on it at that point. Okay. And you know, set it up on it, just kind of a showing it on one day, there's going to be a two hour window while when I'm going to be there to kind of, you know, create that feeding frenzy. So a bunch of people showed up, found a buyer, he was going to be ready to close in two weeks, sounded so easy. And that's where things kind of kind of got interesting. So it was easy to get to the contract. But from there, we had we had some challenges after that. Sure. Let's go into some of the real challenges. What are some of the real challenges you face so that we all understand? I think sometimes, uh, when we face the trials and challenges of of just real estate in general, I think sometimes we think, oh, this is always my luck. It just always happens to me. But this is a reality for all of us. So what were some of the challenges yeah. that faced you? Well, so a couple of days after signing contract with the buyer, he calls and had a, I don't remember what it was, had a, kind of a simple follow-up question about the house, but it wasn't something I could answer. And I, I called the seller who had up until that point, had been incredibly responsive, returned calls and texts right away. Well, he like 
just goes dark yeah. for three or four days. Like yep. I can't track him down. And now I'm, you know, like concerned about him. I'm concerned about like, is, are we actually going to be able to do business on this deal? So I ended up driving back to the house and just left a note on the door, hoping he'll see it. Cause like, I don't, I don't have another phone number for him. I wasn't sure. quite sure where he worked. So I, I'm not quite sure how to track him down. So probably a week goes by of that. And, you know, the buyer obviously is getting a little anxious. I end up getting a call from the daughter who kind of showed back up, says, hey, I found your note. I've been trying to track him down, too. I, I don't know where he is, but, you know, sort of not sure how to proceed. And then... Who was uh, on title? Was it him or her? He was on title. Okay, okay. He was on title. And it was <clears throat> just, you know, having spent a little bit of time with him, it was like just kind of a hermit, probably. It sort of didn't seem surprising to anyone that knew him <laughs> that he kind of disappeared for a few days. It it turned out really to be nothing of concern. He found some relief signing the contract and then drove out to the mountains for a week. Didn't have his cell phone, <laughs> kind of, didn't think to tell anybody. So that piece is resolved, right? So then now we're like, I don't know, three or four days from closing. My buyer texted, said, hey, I want to get a couple measurements. Is it cool if I go by there? I said, yeah, you know, I got a lockbox on there, no problem. Well, he calls me an hour later and says, so I drove by the house. There is police tape everywhere. Oh, wow. The house, the front windows busted through and I saw some blood in the living room. So uh, I don't know what to say. You might want to figure that out, but I'm not buying this house. (laughs) Yeah. And so I love what you said about like that, how a lot of people can, you know, you can be tempted to go to the mindset of like, oh, great, this is going to kill my deal, you know, woe is me sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I just, you know, I've done enough of these and obviously coming from a social work background to know, you know, it's just things come up and and you have to adopt the mindset of like, cool, this is a problem I've not dealt with before. There's going to be an opportunity to learn something here. So good. Write this down, Rhino Nation. Write that down. When these trials come, have the mindset of, awesome, I've never seen this before and this is going to teach me some new thinking I'm going to gain some new capabilities. I'm going to gain some new clarity, some new knowledge. I'm going to take this on because this is something I've never done and I want to learn it. If you can have that mindset, like Greg just said, you'll be able to move mountains. You'll be able to do everything your heart desires because you won't allow the little trials to take you down. You'll just be like, oh man, this is just another learning experience. Keep going. I love this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I... um. <laughs> I drove by the house because I was just kind of curious and it was it was exactly as he described. So I actually I contacted the police department, just kind of asked, you know, not expecting them to, to be able to divulge much. And and they said, hey, look, there was a domestic dispute there. They kind of let it slip. It, it was somehow involving the daughter. And he said, everybody's fine physically. That's all I can tell you this is at the police department. And but that's all I can tell you. And we don't need to get back there. And no one else is going to be coming back there either. So you know, with that little bit of information, I called the buyer and said, you know, here's what I learned. I think we're good. Hey, can I pay to get the locks changed? Can I pay to replace that window that that wasn't something you were planning on? That was a great conversation. He didn't didn't even end up taking me up on that. I think he was just like, you know, he he wanted to buy it. He wasn't really trying to back out. That obviously freaked him out. And I, I understand why. Sure. So those, you know, those couple days were touch and go, but you know, eventually the, the the daughter ended up calling again and said, you know, didn't reference anything that happened. She just said, Hey, I want you to know my stuff's all out. I'm gone. I'm not coming back. And so we, I called the buyer and kind of, you know, it was again, touch and go until probably like six hours before closing. But wow. We eventually closed. It just tested you right to the end. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. So what did you end up on this deal? You put under contract and you did around 17, three and some moving costs. 
when all was said and done, what were you able to make on this deal? When all was said and done, I got a check for $12,087. $12,087. Hold on one second. You know what comes at this moment. Hold on. <laughs> Nice. That, my friend, is a victory bell for you, $12,087. And to help people understand, we've got this whole story, what we probably don't understand all the time, and you could probably pinpoint this in a ballpark number, what would you say about the number of hours from start to finish to help this go to close did you uh, have invested in this? Yeah, I mean, you know, with everything involved in in this one, I'd say it was drastically more than the typical deal. Uh And even even that being said, you know, a a couple drives to the property, some phone calls here and there, five hours. Okay, five hours. My math is definitely not going to handle this one. So a little over two grand an hour. Is that correct? Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay. So for his time, how would it be? I want you guys to think about this. What would it look like for you? If you could make that extra five grand a month or that extra 1,000 a month or that extra 500 bucks an hour, what would that look like to you? So here is a a perfect example of $12,000 deal. What would that look like for you? What could that do for you in your future? What could that do for you and your family or for you and your loved ones? However you choose to spend it, what would that look like for you? Because this is a reality. If you can... Build that muscle up, that mindset that it's not going to be easy. If we've ever made it sound like, man, this is so drop dead easy on this podcast, let me take a minute to say, I am sorry, it's not easy. But if you're willing to put forth the effort and learn and work out those new muscles that are needed to do this, you can get to the point where, much like Greg is sharing, a little over $2,000 an hour he's getting paid on this deal. That's game-changing. That's stuff that changes the way you're able to live, that changes your lifestyle, that changes your goals, your mindset, your confidence. What would it be like for you? So, Greg, I want to thank you first and foremost for sharing everything because there were so many gold nuggets that I was jotting down during this that I hope you, Rhino Nation, have been writing down as well. But before we end this podcast, we always ask two questions and I want to ask those two to you. So you ready for this? I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> Here's number one. Let's figure it out. Here is the number one question. And that is, what is a good book that you've recently read or currently reading that has been helping you become someone better that you would share with the listeners today? So it's impossible for me to not mention just the book that found me like it finds so many other folks in this business, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. Just... You know, as I, the friend I mentioned who I flipped the house with, as I, we were having an early conversation, just kind of a, not really happy doing what I'm doing. I'm thinking about real estate and blah, blah. And he, he handed me that book and I think literally said, here, this is going to change your life. <laughs> so That's that definitely awesome. Has. That's awesome. Okay. Now here's the second question. Looking back what you know now, two and a half years has taught you so much that you didn't know two and a half years ago. So going back to the person you were two and a half years ago, what would you have done differently or maybe what would you have done the same to help people have a perspective that are at the beginning point of wholesaling? What would you have done differently or the same? I think something I did well probably 80% of the time that I, I would up to 100% is like not trying to reinvent the wheel and just, you know, s- sticking to a system. Whether I, you know, I found the wholesaling ink system, which has been great. And I know there's others out there, but kind of whatever it is, like 
just keep it simple. This is not a business that you need to overthink and, and start throwing spaghetti at the wall. Just, you know, pick one or two, um, you know, marketing channels, pick one or two lists and, and just start building from there and keep it simple. So true. Did you catch yourself many times at the beginning where you did overthink it or maybe didn't take action fast enough because you felt like you had to build a perfect plan before just going out there and just taking imperfect action? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I probably took too much imperfect action. <laughs> I would, you know, I joined the tribe and I'm like, I, you know, Tom and Cody are like masters at this. So sure, look, <laughs> sort of make up my own way of doing it. So <laughs> I fell into that trap a couple of times, but yeah, I think, yeah, absolutely. Kind of my biggest piece of advice would just be like, keep it simple and follow a plan. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, Greg, my man, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I know your words are going to inspire many and your story is going to resonate with so many where they're thinking, my goodness, like I can do this. I can do this. You're given that hope. You're given that inspiration for someone else to get out there and take action. So thank you so much for taking your time out of your day to do this so that you can inspire others in this great nation to get out there and do the same thing. Well, Cody, I really appreciate it, man. Thank you for taking the time. And uh, it was fun. I appreciate it. All right, Rhino Nation. I hope you've gotten so much out of this podcast. I'm sitting here looking at my notes. I'm a half page deep just thinking about all the gold nuggets that Greg shared in this podcast episode. And for guys, this is crucial. This is the difference between those that are going to get out there and find their next deal or maybe their first deal is not just taking the notes, but now taking action today. Tomorrow doesn't exist. We don't know if it'll ever come, but we do know today exists. Get out there and start taking massive imperfect action. Don't wait for a perfect plan because it doesn't exist. And if you need help building your wholesaling business to get this up and running, to get to your deals quicker, check us out over at wholesalinginc.com. That's wholesalinginc.com where you can book a call, fill out a quick application, get on a phone call with us, and begin to talk your strategy, your goals, and see how we can help. And if it ends up being a fit, we'll invite you to be part of the tribe so you can get out there and get your deal soon. Guys, God bless you in each one of your efforts. Get out there, take massive imperfect action, and we'll see you on the next episode. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at InvestorGrit.com by joining the mailing list, as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe with your hosts, Tom Kroll and Cody Hoffheim. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.